David Shoebridge, good morning to you. David, how are you, mate? Thanks for holding on through all that. Oh, no worries, Marcus. That level of anger in regional community, communities about access to vaccination is very real and, and, and fully understandable, isn't it, Marcus? You're hearing that too? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. You know, people mm. contacting my office, um, contacting all MPs, um, bookings that have been made weeks ahead being cancelled yeah. and all because there just isn't the vaccine supply, you know, a, a totally inexcusable um, in the second year of the pandemic that the federal government, you know, under Scott Morrison, has not arranged enough vaccines so that we can vaccinate HSC kids and also keep people safe in the region. Yeah, totally but, inexcusable. Yeah, look, I understand and I accept what you're saying and you and I are on the same wavelength, but gold, 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 David, how good? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the Prime Minister is now... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to say weaponising, yeah. but he certainly is, you know, jumping behind the Olympic success over there in Tokyo, saying, well, our Olympians are doing well, we can do just as good. So come on, yeah. get vaccinated. But again, why are we... Why? Well, well if, if, if we hadn't got gold in the Olympics, would he have come out and said it wasn't a race? Oh. I think that's probably the case. But, I don't know, you know, that's clearly in trying to sort of cover his failures with jingoistic approaches. I mean, I think particularly those of us locked down, um, um, have been, you know, very grateful to see some good news coming out of the Olympics. We're actually grateful for all those athletes. Oh, absolutely. We're not grateful to Scott Morrison. We're grateful to all those athletes at the moment. Yeah. And to try and, you know, gain some sort of leverage off the athletes doing extremely well in Tokyo and compare it to a failed vaccine rollout is a little beyond the pale. But anyway, not too worried. Listen, um, we know federal parliament is back this week. There will be some that unfortunately can't attend, but I'll zoom in all the rest of it. What's going on in New South Wales? We're under some of the toughest restrictions that this state and this city has ever seen in history, but no one is there in Macquarie Street to debate these issues, to talk about it. There's no transparency. Yeah, and the the government has um, determined not to have Parliament sit until the 7th of September. Look, because of the terrible um, situation with COVID, the risk particularly of regional MPs coming in and going out of Sydney... Um, and the risk of, you know, bringing all the staff together. We supported Parliament not sitting until the 7th of September, but we did it on the proviso um, that the government cooperate with a COVID oversight inquiry. Um, and and the government has not come to play um, on a COVID oversight inquiry. A request to the health minister and the chief health officer to provide suitable times between now and really in the next week for them to come and be... Um, answer questions to the yes. COVID oversight inquiry that I chair, yes. um, that has MPs from across, but, um, across the political spectrum has, has not been responded to. Um, and, and so for the moment, so who the, hasn't the government responded, has no scrutiny. All right, David, who hasn't responded to this uh, COVID oversight committee? Who's the person that needs to say, OK, we're going to do this? Uh, well, the invite went to Brad Hazard, Brad, Brad Hazard, and through him to the Chief Health um, Officer, so, Kerry Chant. I okay. mean, obviously, they're the people who need to come, and he has not responded. Um, it's been over a week now. And and that's part of the what I know the Labor opposition and the crossbench, mm. uh, at least the Greens, when we said we're OK with Parliament not sitting until the 7th of September because of the public health um, crisis. But, yeah. but transparency can't die. Oversight can't die. You need to cooperate with this committee and not only appear before it, but also show us some of the public health advice that was given to the government um, through this lockdown. Nothing, nothing from the government. 
Well, see, I think that's wrong. Uh, I mean, I want to support uh, the government, and I am supporting the government in these current lockdowns and the restrictions that are in place, but I want to do so knowing that there's been some transparency, uh, transparency there's been some scrutiny, and that opposing MPs in a democracy have had their chance to look over the data, look over the information and go, well, OK, yeah, we'll give bipartisan support. This is what kind of... I mean, I like Chris Minns, but what's annoying me about Chris at the moment, to be perfectly honest, and I hope you're listening, Chris, is that you need to get a little tougher on this, all right? If you want to be an alternate Premier of New South Wales, you need to ensure, and you need to get a little aggro about this, we need to have some oversight. We need to be able to have opposing MPs, whether they're from the Greens, wherever, Calathumpians, One Nation, wherever, you know, they need. you need to be able to see the data, have a look at the health advice in order to give bipartisanship. Yep. At the moment, it's being given, in my opinion, quite blindly. Well, I think there's a concept, Marcus, of being a loyal opposition in a time of crisis. And, and that's what I think you need to be. Back the government in, in and back the public health measures in. We want to get to the same results. Yes. We're on the same page about wanting to get to the same results. Mm. But but the government also needs to be held to account. Their decisions need to be tested. The evidence needs to be tested. We need to do our job that we're paid to do to hold the government to account. And that isn't just giving them a blank cheque and walking away. Yeah, That's saying, yep, we all want this to succeed. We hope it succeeds. We've got problems mm. about X. We've got problems about Y. We're going to hear from you and we're going to test you. And, and that's what's not happening at the moment. All right. And that 11 o'clock press conference is not accountability. Well, I jumped in, uh, jumped up and down about it last week, but it didn't get any traction whatsoever. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, anyway, I uh, just want to move on to this other issue very quickly. I know you've got an Indigenous issue, but we might just hold that off for another week. But this has made the papers today. A government plan to allow helicopters to touch down on ski fields and open the door to thousands of new resort beds being built at one of Australia's most famous holiday hotspots, have ignited a stoush between the Deputy Premier and his regional New South Wales Department and the state's national parks. Look, essentially what they're saying is that they want to um, uh, double, well, in fact, in some cases, more than double the capacity of, of, of beds in, in places like Threadbow, etc. And they also want to have people to be able to fly in via helicopter to visit these resorts. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Marcus, you go. Well, what do you make of it? Well, I mean, setting up our national parks for some sort of super wealthy elite, which is all it could be if you're flying in and flying out through helicopters, um, seems to me to be totally against the spirit of these huge public natural estates. I mean, sure. they're surely they're there for everybody. And, and the idea that we would be consciously setting them up to have some extremely privileged elite fly in and fly out by helicopter, and as though that's a great solution for, you know, tourism and regional New South Wales... I, I think it's pretty offensive on that level. Okay. I mean, maybe there is a space for it, a small space for it, but the idea that would be a major plank in, in the Deputy Premier's um, plans I find very disturbing. Yeah, well, look, I don't know enough about it yet. I want to speak to uh, the, the National Parks Association. Uh, we've got a call into their deputy, uh, sorry, to their executive officer, Gary Dunnett, about it this morning and, and try to get to the bottom of what their major concerns are. Look, I know that they've done it tough. I have friends that operate a facility down in the Snowies, and, I mean, they're almost bankrupt. So, 
you know, it's yeah, tough. but I mean, the, the problem here has been that the COVID has locked down five million potential exactly. customers across Greater Sydney. The answer exactly. to that isn't going to be upping up a few helipads. So I feel really, I feel, I mean, I really feel for all those regional tourism operators in, in the ski resorts in yeah. coastal New South Wales. I mean, everybody is hurting so much. But Very true. let's get a real solution, and the real solution is tackling this terrible um, COVID outbreak. And so, you know, five million people in Greater Sydney can actually get back down onto the ski fields when they want. That's a real solution, and it's not going to damage the environment, and it's not going to be for a bunch of elites. 